Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. We are so happy to be with you this week and happy that Mercury is no longer in retrograde. Doesn't it feel better already, Denise? It does. It was a rough stretch. It was a really rough stretch. It really was. The energy in July was just so intense. So I'm happy that we are in August. I hope you all are having a beautiful, joyful start to your month as well. This week, we're going to be doing our chatty show based on a question we received from a listener. I did reach out to her and I got her permission to share her question, but I'm, I'm going to share her question without giving her name or any details about who she is away because it's a very, very personal question. But I asked her if I could share it with all of you because... I think it's a question any of us could have written at different points in our life. Don't you agree? Very much so. Yeah, this is a question about, you know, basically, when do I know that I'm a success? When do I know that I am enough? So here's what she wrote. Hello, I am so glad I found your Facebook page. I have been listening to the podcast at the suggestion of a friend, and they have been super helpful. I'm learning how to be more grateful for what I have and learn how to surrender. What I seem to struggle with the most is job finances. I recently earned my doctorate degree and have had a successful career in my field for 18 years. I struggled so much during the doctoral process but persevered and finished. However, I don't see all these doors that were supposed to open up for me that I kept hearing about through the doctoral process. I'm trying to learn how to surrender thanks to that podcast you all did and just hold the belief that it's not time for me to enter into a professorship just yet. As hard as it is, I am learning. However, self-confidence is something I've always lacked. I'm working on that, but it will definitely need guidance. This sounds odd, but I don't really feel all that successful. My 20-year high school reunion is this week, and I don't have the courage to go. I thought my life would be different 20 years after high school. And really, I don't feel like I'm any different than that insecure 17-year-old whom everyone made fun of. How exactly do I get over this? Through listening to your podcast on ego versus intuition, I now know what these feelings are. However, it's hard to overcome them at times. The best way I can describe it is this. Everyone is at this wonderful party, at a beautiful house, and then there's me. I'm always on the outside looking in. I have felt that way my whole life. It doesn't matter how many degrees I have. How do I get to know the point where I am enough? Wow. That question just has really stayed on my heart. I have included her in my prayers. And, and I think that question stays on my heart because it's a question I know I've struggled with. You know, when do I know I'm enough? But that feeling of being on the outside and looking in, don't you think more people than not can resonate with that description she gave so beautifully? Unbelievably so, but also more, as weird as it sounds, more and more so lately. It seems like so many of us as empaths, as highly sensitive. And even though she had a successful career for 18 years and out of school for 20, that puts her in a certain age demographic. This seems to be across the board for people in that are younger, older. There's something energetic with all of this going on right now that's very, very intense. I, I agree. And I also think our childhood is rooted so much in issues that we deal with throughout our adult life. And I was listening to a psychologist speak about this on another podcast I listened to, and she was saying that childhood events and labels stay with us because everything when we're a kid is a first. Mm -hmm. And all of our first stay with us. You remember your first day of school, your first kiss, your first everything. And so I wonder if she still feels like that awkward 17-year-old because it's one of her first, you know, the first time we feel like an outsider, the first time we realize, oh, we aren't cool or popular. All of those first, I do think, stay with us. And I think in order to get through that feeling and to learn that you are enough just as you are is one of the hardest but most important lessons we can try to learn in our lifetime. If you strip away all of the labels, all the doctoral degrees, all of the accolades, who are you? And is that enough? Okay, but then there's the whole part that 
more degrees, higher level of achievement, that's socially applauded. That is what is seen as success. That's what's seen as you've made it. And you and I have talked about this a lot, and I think we've mentioned it on other shows, of that was an area of our lives where we were always very, very successful. It came easily to us, get the extra degree, get the extra graduate work, get the extra, and that was validation for us that we were smart enough. But also that's very socially accepted. Like, oh, you have an advanced degree and blah, blah, blah is it gives you some kind of standing in the, in the community, which doesn't match up with how we feel about ourselves. Right. It's just a label. Right. It's like that story I, I think I've told before. I was at a teaching conference in my late 20s, early 30s. And you know how they do those, what are they called when they warm you up and, and do oh, little icebreakers? icebreakers. Yeah. So she icebreakers. did this icebreaker. I do too. And she, it was just... <laughs> It was a blank sheet of paper with a circle and little lines coming out of the circle. And she said, put your name in the center of the circle and then tell us who you are in the lines coming out from the circle. So like picture a sun with rays. So I wrote Samantha in the circle and on the little rays coming out of the circle, I wrote wife, teacher, daughter, sister, mother, writer, all these things. And this older teacher was sitting next to me and, she looked over at it when we had to share and she said, that's not who you are. And I said, no, no, it is really. I, I'm, I'm a teacher and I'm a mom and I'm a wife. And, and she goes, no, 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 no. Those are your labels. Who are you? Oh. And that just has stayed with me for a long time to the point where I do that exercise a lot, especially around the new year. And sometimes it's hard to fill in those lines and not lean into the labels. Don't you think we comfort ourselves with those labels often? Oh, very much so. Very, very much so, because it's a way to identify and feel like we belong to something. So how can someone like her or us or anyone listening start to feel that they are enough? I know for me, I always will read these stories. You know, I subscribe to the Earth Angels magazine. I love that little magazine. Mm-hmm. It comes every month and it's filled with stories of people helping others and and some people who have had angelic encounters. And I always read these stories where they'll say, I wasn't feeling like I was enough or I wasn't feeling that I was lovable. And then I opened up the Bible and I realized that Jesus loved me and everything has been perfect ever since. And I always envy those people because I've never, I've never been able to lean into even labels like that, like I'm a Christian or because... Maybe I just overthink things. I don't know, but I've never... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Have you ever heard of people who will just have this one aha moment, whether it's connected to meeting the love of their life or falling in love with their faith, and suddenly everything's okay forever? Right. I don't know that that's possible for empaths who think deeply about so many things. I think that we are so awake and aware in a way that the average person isn't. And I do not mean that in a, aren't we better than everyone else? No, no, not eco-based. No, No. it's like um, if you read the wizard of Oz, not the, not the movie, but if you read the actual book, he describes how everyone who lives in Oz has to wear these green glasses and Dorothy and her little friends do not have the green glasses. So they see the wizard behind the screen. They see everything for what it is. But everyone wearing the green glasses, they see everything the way the wizard wants them to see it. And that's how I feel as an empath sometimes. Like, nobody gave me my green glasses. <laughs> that's a really good analogy. <laughs> a really good analogy. Okay, the other thing that really pops out in, in her question is that it's not wanting to go back to the reunion and because she's not that person anymore, but that's who they're going to remember. So if she moved somewhere else or she evolved into a different direction or she, you know, left, even if she's still in her community, if she didn't stay on the path she was when she was 17 to go and try to step back into that world, that's next impossible. Have you ever been to a reunion? No, I haven't either. No desire. No, no desire either. Well, that's not true. I mean, I would like to see people again and all of that, but the whole idea of returning 
to that time and not feeling that I have the accolades I feel I should have at that point. And that has always held me back too. And I don't even know what those accolades would have to be. Because they're, I think for as sensitive people, the, the accolades that we, the expectations that we put on ourselves are so much higher than what anyone else would ever put on us. Like, yes. So, oh, I, I, I have an, a master's in all this postgraduate work, but I never got my doctorate. Or I have, you know, I, I did this, but I never quite made, we always raise that bar just a little bit higher. Even yes. though we would never do that for someone else, we would encourage them, we would support them, we would find a way to, to see the light in what they're doing. But we all look at ourselves in these cracked mirrors. Yes, that's say all, metaphor. but a lot of us. But what I would like her to ask herself and all of us to ask ourselves is, who are you trying to impress? I think if you get to the root of whose approval you are seeking, because it's not her high school classmates that she's looking to impress. No. It might be an issue connected to a mom or a dad. It might be an issue connected to herself and her soul. But I think you always have to dig down to the root. Do you know what I mean? Of like, when, yes. when did this feeling of not fitting in, of being on the outside looking in, when did that start for me? And so when I say, who are you trying to impress? I don't mean she's trying to impress anyone. Yeah. I just mean, like, who, who can give you the approval, the worthiness that you seek? Now, I don't think even a parent can do it. I don't even think God can do it. I think we have to do it for ourselves. That's why... I hate that movie so much with Tom Cruise when she says, you complete me. Because mm -hmm. nobody, nobody can complete you. Only we can complete us. We have to find that worthiness in our soul. I don't know that I've ever met anyone who has it. I really don't. You know, I've had clients for years and years and years, and some of them almost feel like friends. And so some of the ones I've, I've had since the beginning have friended me on Facebook and so I know about their personal life because they'll pop up on my Facebook feed. And it looks so perfect and beautiful and wonderful. And then they'll call me for a phone reading and a lot of not so perfect and beautiful stuff might be going on in their life because that's life. Right. But we look at what we see that people are projecting out into the world. We look at the beautiful picture that people feel safe enough to share in person or on social media. And we believe that's the reality of their life. But I don't know, being an intuitive, Denise, I have often said, is a lot like being a priest in a way. And please, little Catholic God up there, don't send me to hell for saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, when you do what Denise and I do, people share with you things that they wouldn't share with anyone else. And so I do feel that you and I have been honored to have a glimpse into people's psyche that most don't get to see. Right. And so from that vantage view, I'm saying, I don't know that I have ever met anyone who with all authenticity has said, I am perfect and worthy and whole just as I am. Now, I think we can all feel that in moments. I agree. And I also think if people have recovered from uh, a debilitating illness, if they've escaped an accident, if they've made it through trauma, if they've, I think that those are pivotal. I think those are very pivotal with bringing more gratitude. And I mean, she made a beautiful line about being very grateful and she knows that she's worked hard and she has a successful career. And I think that that's important because what I love in her, in her note is she said, I've worked and worked and they told me this would happen and they told me these doors would open and they haven't. And I'm trying to surrender and be patient. And I think that applies to all of us. Oh, if I, and, and don't you feel like this goes, I'm, I'm jumping around a lot, but this is the chatty show, so it's okay. <laughs> when <That's right. laughs> you get caught in that place of, am I enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Am I, do I have enough money? Do I, it's always, it, the, the real, real cute, clue in all of this is that enough word because she's using it as you know money and finances and career and and all of these things but until we can find our own self-worth 
And that's one of the things I, I share, you know, that I walk my dogs down by the river a lot. And if I find a wishing stone, I, I hold it and I do a little quick meditation and then I throw it into the river. And I, I've lately been saying the same thing of, I, you know, ask, I humbly ask and pray to release any and all self-imposed limitations that are keeping me from stepping into my, my purpose, my light. And, you know, and I, I do, it, it's not those exact words, but I, every time I do that, because I'm trying to let go of that self-imposed stuff. And I think you nailed it earlier when you said that this could be something from childhood, from childhood, from an early teacher, from an old spouse, from a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be something, something said in random that really registered with you. But until we release it from ourselves, through ourselves, by ourselves, I don't think it budges. No, I don't either. One of my favorite quotes is by Anae Nin. She says, my mission, should I choose to accept it, is to find peace with exactly who and what I am, to take pride in my thoughts, my appearance, my talents, my flaws, and to stop this incessant worrying that I can't be loved as I am. Oh, I love that. Isn't that perfect? Yeah. And that's exactly what I think all of our missions are here on this earth, is to just find peace and love with exactly who we are, where we are. Even in those moments of tragedy and trauma, like you were saying before, to feel that sense of being loved and lovable all on your own for yourself. But then when we're constantly bombarded with, as you said, the picture-perfect lives on social media, or the expectations of you, you need to attain this level in order to truly be successful in the eyes of society or community or family, that's really, really hard to counteract. It is. And I think it's getting harder to counteract because I feel that the picture is getting glossier. Even yes. on uh, on TV and, and, and shows and movies, everyone, everyone's life just looks so perfect. You know, when I was growing up, we had good times and all in the family and in these, in these shows that showed people living normal lives. Even the TV shows today that show people living, quote, normal lives, they're in these gorgeous, amazing homes. And I think kids growing up look at that and they think, oh, that's what I'm supposed to have too. And that, that really should not be our goal ever. We well, really shouldn't be seeking these goals of success and financial abundance outside of ourselves. We need to find it inside of us. But remember we were talking the other day and I mentioned that I had gone to uh, a music festival and my, my son was there and he went to some shows that I didn't go to and he had sent me a, a text that he had just seen one of the top guitarists in the world. Like one of the absolute best guitarists in the world was in this band. And he had looked around and saw people chatting and taking pictures of themselves and no one was there to experience this once in a lifetime event of seeing this man play this guitar. And I think that that where we're wasting so much time making sure we look good in our selfie and, and thinking, doing things we may not want to do because it's the expectation that we should. And I had shared this as well, that there were, a group of, of women of a certain age uh, that when someone held up their phone, they immediately like went into this pose. And I was fascinated because they all knew how to do it. They all knew how to turn their head and lift their chin and put their, and I was just, it was almost like I was at the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I almost feel like we're living in a society where if it didn't happen on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it didn't matter. If we go back to this lady's question, I really feel that that's a huge barrier of accepting ourselves for who we are when we're constantly being bombarded. We, and we both had these situations where there was something, okay, my master's degree is a good example. I went into ed leadership. I thought, okay, with my background, with this, I will apply for these types of jobs. This will be perfect. And I applied, and then one day I woke up and I looked around at the people who would have been at that level if I had chosen to go in that direction. And it was honestly like a punch in the stomach. And I said, oh, my God, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't, 
want to have that be my peer group. I don't want to. So sometimes it's a blessing in disguise when things don't work the way they're supposed to. Yes, that is very, very true. And we have to always trust that and surrender, you know, as she mentioned in her in her email, that we have to surrender to what is and accept what is and and learn to find that sense of it's okay in every mm-hmm. moment. And, you know, sometimes one of the questions I get most often in doing readings is, what is my purpose? And the answer I often receive from their guides is not what they want to hear. I think people want to hear, your purpose is to be the next Wayne Dyer, the next Oprah Winfrey, the next Louise Hay. Very often I just hear, your purpose is learn to love and accept yourself. Your purpose is to learn to take care of yourself in this lifetime because you've spent so many lifetimes putting your needs off for focusing on family and other obligations. It's it's a very, I don't know, not flashy purpose is usually the answer that I get. And yet, I think that's the authentic answer. I, I don't think, I mean, first of all, consider the miracle that we are all here. Think about what it takes for a soul to get here to earth. That's such a miracle in and of itself. And I just don't think that God or the force or however you want to term that, has created us so that we can live in a 10,000-square-foot house. Like, I don't think God's up there going, woo, she finally made it. She's living the high life now. Glad I created her for that. I just don't think that's our purpose. I really don't. I think that we are here. This, to me, life is like a marathon. It's like the hardest, most grudging, well, no, triathlon. It's like the hardest, most grudging, difficult triathlon you can imagine and it lasts your whole lifetime. And I really think our purpose is just to finish it. You know, just to finish it. I mean, if you compare life to a triathlon, you know, my former husband used to do triathlons, and there were some times when he'd hit the ocean, he would start to throw up, and he couldn't finish a couple of them. And it got to the point where when he would finish a triathlon, we would just celebrate because just finishing it is an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you signed up and trained for it and did it. Wow. There was never anybody at the finishing line who was like, oh, sucka, you're number 22. You know, like everybody would just cheer for anybody who crossed the line, even the, and especially the last person who crossed through that line. And so I think sometimes if we spend a moment or two reflecting on our purpose from a soul's point of view rather than a materialistic point of view. And I don't mean materialistic in, in Madonna's term, you know, no. like I just mean as, as a human's point of view, I think we will start to see that we are living our purpose every day. Right. Every day that we get up and try again, we're living our purpose. Every day that we go to the grocery store and we return our cart, and help an older person with their groceries we're living our purpose. You know, every day that we call a friend who's having a hard time and just say, I'm thinking of you, we are living our purpose and sharing our light. Every time we send a card to somebody who's lost a loved one or is dealing with an illness, we're living our purpose. And I think if we reframe our goal of success in the light of that and what a soul is here to do, we will start to chip away at that feeling of not being worthy. I agree. I agree with you 100%. And I was just thinking about years and years ago, uh, I was doing a meditation and I was trying to figure out what is my purpose. And I was writing at the time and I heard to learn as much about people as you can. And and, And that has been, I mean, I've shared this with you. I started working when I was 14 in a state institution, they had a program for low-income youth during that time frame, and they would send me to go work in this state institution at 14 years old. And it's been nursing homes and group homes and special ed and waitressing and bartending and, and even doing this work. It's always been about all of the fascinating and amazing facets of society and how people interact and even my degree was in emotional disturbance and special education as a behaviorist why do some people there's always a catalyst for a behavior and a reaction and but that aligned when you look at it step back and look at it that aligns so much with what came through in that meditation yes 
But I think part of this too is when we set a goal for ourselves, and this is the big hole I can fall into that I, you know, I should have done this by this time frame, which she mentions in her note, when we don't reach that, and then we, we say, okay, well, um, or it's a joke with a friend of mine, and we say, oh, we're going to be fit by 40, and then it's like, we're going to be fabulous by 50, and now we're in the next decade, and it's like, oh, we better get our shit together here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think when we keep putting it off, then we hit that place of, oh, is there going to be enough time, or do I need to shift my focus, or is this something that I accomplished in another way, and I just don't realize it? But letting go of that is hard, really, yeah. really hard. It is really hard. And sometimes we don't do it until we cross over. I remember doing a reading and this woman's mother came through and the mom had been a stay-at-home mom her whole life, never had a career, went you know, right from high school to marriage and kids and all of that. And one of the things she said was, I can't believe how much my life mattered. Like she didn't think she had done a whole lot with her life because she just stayed at home and raised her family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I when I do readings, I, it's not like I'm sitting down having a conversation with the person. It comes in like flashes and quick blips and images and feelings. And I just felt that this woman was so kind and just genuinely had this big, wonderful heart and was just genuinely, authentically thinking about other people, caring for the world, caring for others. And when she got to the other side, she realized how much those little things that she didn't think mattered up to it anything really were huge and counted for so much more on the other side than we count them here on earth. And I I think one of our challenges is to realize how much our love and our kindness in the smallest and biggest of ways matters while we're here on earth rather than doing it in the life review process. I think that's so important for people to learn to recognize and accept how good they are while they're here on this earth. Okay, which leads me to a question. Uh, This popped into my head yesterday, and I thought, I have to ask Samantha about this. I have never, in all the years I've been a medium, you know how they say your life flashes before your eyes when you pass? And people who have passed, and then they've they've come back, and they're still alive, they'll say, it really is, it like every event in your life goes like boom, 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 real fast. Have you ever, ever had someone in spirit make reference to their life flashing before their eyes? No, no. I haven't either. No, but... like somebody would have mentioned it by now. Well, Raymond Moody actually talks about that in one of his books, and he thinks that the life flashing before your eyes is the only phraseology people had at their fingertips to use to describe the life review process. Okay. And what I have seen from the life review process, it's some people have shown it to me like you're sitting almost in like a movie theater and your life just certain events quickly are portrayed. It's kind of like one of my all-time favorite movies, Defending Your Life mm-hmm. with Al Brooks and Meryl Streep. And they go through the life review process with their attorney because they have to argue that they've done enough good things in life to make it to the other side once they die. Mm-hmm. And each attorney from the opposing sides gets to pick, I think it's like six scenes from your life. And then they weigh and balance them and, and determine if, you're, if you've passed and you can move on to heaven. And that's the most seriously authentic thing I have, even though it's a funny movie, that's the most real version I have seen from what I've witnessed in mediumship is that they are shown images, scenes, memories from their life. And their guides gently try to show them, you know, okay, here you could have done a little bit better. And here you really weren't thinking about what was important. But let's look at all the great things you did do. And I think it's in those moments that people realize, holy shit, it's not the paycheck that I earned that's counting over here. It's not the money I gave to charity you know, and sign my name to the check and, and use to help promote my business, that's matters. It's not that I got my kids into this amazing college and, you know, scrimped and saved to do it. It's the little things that, that matter. You know how the ancient Egyptians say when you die, all your good deeds are put on a scale 
and or no what is all the all the good in your heart is put on a scale and if it's lighter than a feather then you can cross to the other side meaning like if you're if you if you cross over and you don't have that heaviness of regret or negativity or unforgiveness or anger in your heart then your heart is lighter than a feather and you're ready to go to heaven and then the christians turn that i think into archangel michael holds the scales and he weighs your good deeds versus your bad deeds. I, I always think there's some truth to all those stories and myths and legends that it's it's just not what we think. You know, and, and I and I think if people are listening to this, they're like, Well, yeah, of course, but in the moment we must buy into it in some way. We must buy into this myth that I'm only a successful person if all my school debt is paid off, all my credit card balances say zero, and I have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, and I've got these many letters behind my name, and we all buy into it. And yet in our heart, we know it doesn't mean anything. And I've also heard with, with Life Review is that you feel everything that you've... So if you've been cruel to someone, you'll feel that level of cruelty at an expanded uh, level, so 10 times more. Also, all the kind things, you'll feel that kindness come back. We really don't know the impact we're having on people. We don't know. We, and you and I do, I mean, we, we've talked about this on the air and with each other, is sometimes something can come through in a reading that might be the life ring that someone needs at the at the moment but i think we do that for each other all the time we we make a comment or we hold a door or we and it's exactly what you were just saying earlier in the show about those are the things that matter it's about opening your heart and being kind but also reflecting that back to yourself and saying yes i'm okay i and i and back in was it the 70s that book i'm okay you're okay right it was a huge deal and then someone wrote passages about different parts of your life but until in in my soul I think until we internalize that on some level to really believe it 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 doesn't work no and here's the thing though that I've learned and look this could be true or not but it's helped me it's okay if you only learn it in moments yes nothing is sustainable in this lifetime everything is fleeting happiness is fleeting success is fleeting but so is sadness and anger and depression if if we learn to accept these emotions and give them the time and attention that they deserve so you might be able to feel worthy and lovable one day and then the next day you might have a crappy day Mm -hmm. and you don't feel it don't beat yourself up and think, well, I, you know, this isn't working. Just try again. Every single day, just try, try, try again. You know, with the life review, when you were saying that people um, are shown how their actions made others feel, I was shown in this really powerful dream experience that they're also shown the ripple effects. Oh. You know, um, I know I've shared before in the show, my former husband was a police officer. He was shot by a really bad guy and suffered an anoxic brain injury. And it took me, well, I still am working on forgiving the shooter. There are years I'll think, oh, I've done it. I've forgiven him. And then something will happen and I'll get pissed at that guy all over again. Mm -hmm. And so during this one time, I was really trying to work on forgiving this guy who tried so hard to kill him. And I had this dream and I was just in this empty room and that shooter guy was there and my guide was there. I never see my guide in these dreams, which annoys me, but I always feel him standing right behind me and he always has his hands on my shoulders. And the man said, who knew one bullet could travel so far? And it was so interesting because what he showed me was he didn't understand that that one bullet would affect not only Mike, but me, my kids, Mike's parents, Mike's siblings, other police officers, you know, his, the shooter's family, they're dealing with all of that. And so he was showing how he was dealing with that whole process. 
And I did hold his hand in that dream. And I did say, it's okay. Now, I don't know that I feel that way some days, but I'll tell you something weird. My oldest daughter is applying for college Mm -hmm. and she came into uh, my room the other night and said, will you just read over my college essay? She said, I decided to write about daddy's shooting and just say how like it taught me to be strong and, and to just get up for another day and survive and to keep fighting and blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. The first line of her essay is who knew one bullet could travel so far? Oh, that just gave me willies from head to toe. I know. Isn't that wild? Wow. So I do think when they have that life review process, not only do they feel the emotions, good and bad, that they inflicted on others, but I also think, and I, and I do believe it's hard for us to understand it because we exist in linear time, but I do believe that they are made to understand the ripple effects of those deeds. Because we don't know how far those ripple effects go for our good deeds and our bad deeds. Right. How much they impact people. So when we're thinking about worthiness and self-love and all of that, I just don't think we can look to anyone to provide that answer. I you know, and I feel like a heretic saying this, but I don't think God can fill that. I don't think any religious being can fill that. I don't think um, a soulmate can fill it, a successful job, um, a huge win in the lottery. I just don't think any of it can fill that. Only, only us, only our heart can fill that space with the knowledge that we are enough just as we are. And it's also giving ourselves permission to be who we really are and not to fall into the comparison, to fall into because if you're coming from a place of your genuine light, it cannot be replicated. So you, if you get into the, well, I can't be an artist because there are so many artists in the world that are struggling, those artists are not bringing what you're bringing to the table. You, and once you align with your true your truth, it can't be it, it's it's as unique as a thumbprint. And I've shared this with some people in readings, and I've shared this with you and and some friends is that so many of us as empaths, as highly sensitive people, as intuitives, as whatever again label we want to put on that, there has been so much struggle, loss, grief, insecurity, instability, fear, uh, family of origin issues, narcissism. It goes on and on and on. And what's come up is for many, many people, it's been lifetimes of this kind of stuff. If we truly come to earth as a school to learn life lessons, we have that down. We, we know that inside out. It's a familiarity. There's a security to that because we know how to navigate it. So few of us know how to live in a place of joy, abundance, wealth, happiness. And I, in my feeble mind, really do believe that's what we need to focus on. And for you, it might be writing a book. Someone else, it might be, you know, taking a hike or it might be, but it's never about exactly what you said earlier about 100,000 in the bank or this college or this degree, but it's about emotion. You know, I agree so much. I have a client who's also a dear friend now, and she got really into cryptocurrency. Remember that a couple yeah. of summers back? Okay. And it was fascinating listening to her. I do, not, I do not have the genius brain that she does to understand all that she was saying, but I tried. And what she was saying was that if this really does take off, we could actually live in a society where money isn't an issue. And when I hung up the phone with her, I just sat down for a long time and I tried to think about a life without money where it wasn't needed. And it led me into this wonderful realization of like, okay, Samantha, if you didn't need money, what would you do every day? And if you think about it in that way, it really will lead you to start to discover your own purpose for being here. If you think about what would I do every day if I didn't need money. And it it helped me to focus on what my true loves really, really were. But I do have another quote based on what you were saying too. It's um, E.E. Cummings. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day 
to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight. Never stop fighting. I love E.E. Cummings. I do too. I carry you in my heart. That's my favorite one. (laughs) But, But really, don't you think that is the hardest fight we can fight is to just be ourselves and to see ourselves as enough just as we are? And, and not worry so much about what imprint we're making on you know, what our accomplishments are because they really don't define who we are. Right. Or what legacy we're leaving or all right. of that. Yeah. And to just focus on the, the here and now and, and our soul's growth and our soul's progress. You know, something fun to do that helps me a lot when I get in those moments is I will read or listen to memoirs. I find it fascinating to look at people's lives, kind of like you were saying before, and to, and to look at how other people have traversed their own personal struggles. I find it comforting and insightful, and it helps me to remember. You know how she described herself as feeling on the outside looking in? Yeah. When you read other people's memoirs, you realize we're all on the outside looking in. That's how we all feel. I mean, now there's even a name for it, imposter syndrome. Right. Because so many people feel that way, that they're, you know, not fitting in, that they're not enough, that they're not in the in-group or whatever nonsense phrase you want to put in there. And so reading memoirs really has helped me. And I know it sounds like a simple thing to do, but it's a good exercise. And to, and to think about your perspective. Like if you, if you gave me any famous person that I knew a little bit about, I could, I could show you two different ways to look at their life. Mm-hmm. Like take, um, I don't know, John F. Kennedy, right? Wouldn't you think in, until he was murdered that, that he had a very successful life? Right. You know, like grew up in this wonderful, wealthy, well-known family, you know, became a war hero, was um, a congressman or a senator, and then became president, had this beautiful wife, had these two beautiful children. In the three short years he was our president, he got a lot of shit done, you know, mm-hmm. like he did a lot of good things. And yet you can, if, if John F. Kennedy were having a bad day, he could look at it from a totally different angle. He was riddled with health issues. I mean, he was in so much pain every day. His doctor, who has now been nicknamed Dr. Feelgood, had to inject him with drugs just so he could get through each day. Mm-hmm. He had this terrible sex addiction, which I think was rooted in this competitive family of always having to do more and be more. And so he was constantly cheating on his wife. He was pissing off everybody when he was president. That's why no one really knows who shot him. You know, was it Cuba? Was it the mafia? Was, you know, who knows? Because <laughs> he was making everybody so mad. He lost a child while he was in the White House. He lost his older brother. He lost his sister. His father was mean and cruel and refused to give love. I mean, there's so much tragedy there. And yet, I think most people would say he was a a successful person and led a good life. But you can take any life and twist it that way. Look at Beyonce. I mean, everyone looks at Beyonce and they're like, holy shit, she's got it all going on. Even her husband cheated on her. How do you cheat on Beyonce? (laughs) I mean, really. So... That's all I'm saying is that it's all perspective. And some days you're going to look at your life and go, whew, look at me, I'm doing okay. And other days you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like the, the gum stuck to the bottom of your sneaker. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to keep your perspective in the right light. And I, this is a hard one. And we were, it doesn't matter what your situation is. Find some way to take one brave little step towards who you really are and that sounds altruistic and then I'm going to click my heels together three times but truly it doesn't matter if it's a physical goal a mental goal an emotional goal get out of your comfort zone just a little bit to take one step towards what really resonates with who you are as an individual on the planet I think that that's a key key part of this as well Yes. And one step. I read this article and it was like 10 things you should do every day to feel great. Denise, if I did all 10 of those things, it would take 26 hours, not 24 hours. Right. 
it was like you should read for one hour a day you should meditate for one hour a day you should exercise for one hour a day cook healthy foods uh, call at least three friends every day it went on and on and on i'm like who has time to do all of this every day but right. you're right do one concrete constructive step each day and it can be the same step until you feel sure. comfortable with it it doesn't have to be over the top i do think that it's this tricky balance when we're learning to love ourselves because i know for me and I, and i think for most people i feel really really good when i'm helping others mm-hmm. it gives me a rush i i just i like to be helpful and kind and nurturing to other people but I can get too involved in that. And it can be a way to distract me from my own stuff going on in my own life. So I have to be really careful with that balance. I have to be generous and kind and giving to other people, but I also have to remind myself to practice that sacred selfishness. So I always try to do things for myself each day. And I feel like my days get busier each day. I thought once my kids were teenagers, it would get easier, but that's not actually true. No. There's so much busyness all the time. And so just carving out 30 minutes to meditate for myself, 45 minutes to walk alone through my neighborhood, just taking a little bit of time for myself each day, that's, that's my one step. Mm-hmm. But if I do it in tandem with doing something nice for other people, if I can do that and keep keep it in balance, I'm I'm a happy person. That balance is hard, though, don't you think? It, it's incredibly hard, but I I do think that those are stepping stones to bringing the balance in and the surrender that this lady is trying so hard to find in the note that she sent. Of I I'm willing to get out of the way. I'm trying to get out of the way. I just want things to start moving in a new direction. Right. And I don't even think, I mean, yes, she's waiting for this professorship, but I do think that we have to, I think the universe withholds positive things from us until we learn the lesson in that moment. So what I'm trying to say is I had a friend who just manifested this huge, amazing promotion, and I'm so happy for her. Mm -hmm. And we met for coffee last weekend Um, remember that's when you called me and I couldn't call you back Mm -hmm. anyway so we met for coffee I hadn't seen her all summer and we were so excited and I said gosh you've been trying to manifest this for so long and she said I know and I did it and I said so what did you do to celebrate and she said oh well I I haven't and I said that's the first rule of manifesting like she's taken my classes I'm like you have to remember when you manifest something great you have to celebrate it And I wonder if the universe is withholding this professorship from this listener because maybe she hasn't taken that pause to pat herself on the back and go, holy shit, girl, you just achieved a doctorate. Like for the rest of your life, people have to call you doctor. (laughs) True. Very true. Don't you think we spend so much time giving energy to the not so good stuff in our life? And we don't give enough time to the positive things in our life. I think if she spends some time this summer really rejoicing and celebrating in her success and looking at what a huge accomplishment that is. I have another friend. She she had two kids who were 13 and 15, and then she had a new baby. I think he was eight, nine, or 10 months when she decided to go back to nursing school. So she had three kids very different ages, a little baby at home, a new marriage. She was working full-time at the hospital and going to school full-time at night for two years. Can you imagine that? Wow. And she finally did it, and now she's a nurse, and she's an ER nurse, which is even harder in my opinion. And I said to her, we, went, we met at the pool the other weekend, and, I, and she was like, I, you know, I don't even remember a lot of those two years. It's such a blur. And I said, do you ever sit back and think I did it? Like I actually did it with every challenge and obstacle thrown at me and three kids pulling on me and a new marriage and a new house and full-time. I mean, you did it. She said, no, I've, I've never really thought about it that way. But when you were in the thick of it, when your former husband was injured and you had all the babies and you were rushing from trying to keep all those plates spinning, and you look back, isn't it almost with, oh, dear God, how did I ever do that? 
Yes, yes, I do. I do remember that. I also remember people telling me, I can't believe how strong you are. I would fall down. And I remember thinking, like, I don't have the luxury of falling down. Right. You know, like, and I think some people don't even give themselves credit for being strong during those moments because we don't have the luxury of that. But how many times have you heard me tell the story about how I fought city council and got full pay for, for Mike and all first responders? Like, I, I did take moments to applaud myself for getting through that. What I'm, you just said, though, was, again, it was doing something for other people as well. And yes. It, yes, it benefited your your husband and your family, but it also was setting a precedent for other families if that happened or other people. So it, it was that tandem thing of helping both. Yes. Yeah. That always helps me get through those tricky times. And I'd, maybe it's the Catholic girl in me. I don't know. But I always like to do it anonymously. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm feeling really, really down, I will do three nice things that week for someone anonymously. And it that works. I mean, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, the heck is she talking about? Just do any three things that you think someone could need and, and do it anonymously. So you could just, you know, take 10 bucks and put it in a card and just mail it to someone anonymously and just say, you are loved just as you are. You could just give a waitress an extra good tip. There's just so many little things you could do. You could drop off a gift for a friend. You could just donate something to your local church or um, food pantry. But if you do three things anonymously and not expect any accolades for it, I I think that's a beautiful thing. Although it did backfire on me once, Denise. Uh Uh-oh. One of my... (laughs) One of my nephew's friends was going through a really, really difficult time. And I didn't know her, but I was praying for her. And and so I bought this, it's this little heart charm on a red bracelet. You know the type, it's it, it's cute. I got it on Etsy. Um, it was around a card. And it says like, um, say your prayer while you tie this on your wrist. And when it falls off, like you'll know you're through that difficult time. Mm-hmm. So I put that in an envelope. And I just, what did I write? I think I wrote. Uh, somebody loves you or something like that just so it could be anonymous she thought she had a stalker oh oh yeah so I had to come out and tell everyone it was I thought you were gonna say she thought it was your nephew was being romantic no I can't remember what I wrote usually I write um this is just a note from your guardian angel dear to let you know that I am always here. All you must do is but believe and by your side, I'll never leave. That's what I normally write when I do my anonymous cards. But I think for her, I just wrote something like somebody loves you or something. And because it was a heart charm, she got all freaked out. Oh my. But anyway, doing the anonymous things I do think is, is a great way to just remind all of us that we're all in this together. And we don't need to share our light for any accolades or any pats on the back. We just share our light because we are worthy of that joy we get from giving. And the people we're giving to are worthy of the joy they will hopefully receive. That's beautiful. Do you think we've, I don't think we have answered her question. Do I don't you think? think we have either, but I think we've touched on a lot of other things that are so relevant for all of us right now it's such a transitional time. Oh my goodness, it's so transitional. And where, I mean, we can go into astrology, we can go into energetics, we can go into fifth dimension, we can go into age-related transition times. But truly, I think as a whole on the planet, there is so much happening all the time that as sensitive people, it's sometimes like just getting hit with hail because it's constant. And to take a step back from that and say, what can I do to take care of me today? That's, that's sometimes all we have. Yeah, I agree. And I do think the energy is very intense right now, but I don't think this is why she's feeling that way. I think it's a centuries-old problem. I mean, if you've read Mother Teresa's diary that they published a couple of years ago, she had incredible moments of doubt where she wondered if she was doing a bit of good in the world. That blew me away when I read that. Eli Wiesel, the um, Holocaust survivor who wrote the phenomenal book Night, he has had moments of doubt of, you know, does, has my work impacted anyone? 
Thomas Jefferson had moments where he thought, what good have I done? I mean, if you just, that's why I say like reading biographies and memoirs is so helpful because it reminds us that we are all in this together. We all do feel this way. And And that's that's the human part. Yes, that's the human struggle. And so I would just like to leave everyone with just some questions to meditate on this week. What are your labels? Do they define you? I mean, really consider doing that sun exercise where you write your name in the center and then write descriptions about you and see which of them are labels and which of them are true characteristics of your soul. So what are your labels? How will you know when you're successful? What, what carrot are you dangling out there for yourself? And is it, is it truly emblematic of who you are? And how will you know when you're worthy? I think if you reflect on those questions, you might start to see that you are perfect and whole and loving and lovable just as you are. And capable. Yes. Yes. Well, before we close out, Denise and I wanted to uh, just remind everyone that we have a couple of classes coming up we really hope you can join us for. In September, we have our Mediumship 101 Day class, and we're really excited. This one's already filling up because we're hoping we can reach some international students with this time as well. It's going to be Fridays in September, Friday, um, September 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th from noon to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It is hosted through Zoom, so you get to see us and interact with us each week. It's kind of like just being in a classroom with us. Denise and I usually spend the first 30, 45 minutes teaching, and then we try to open up the rest of the time for questions, sharing, and and just people being able to connect with each other. You are partnered up with someone new each week from class, so you can explore and enhance your mediumship abilities. It is geared towards the beginner, so I don't want anyone to think, well, I've never done mediumship. That's who this class is geared to, is the beginner. So we are not expecting anyone to sign up for this class who is already working as a medium and knows how to do this. This is, this is for the beginner. It's to give you a safe place to practice. And then in October, on Thursday evenings, October 3rd, 10th, 17th, and 24th, we are going to be doing our advanced mediumship class. This is for anyone who's a practicing medium or for anyone who has taken our mediumship 101 class. And that meets from 7 to 8.30 p.m. on Zoom and is in the same format. We just take the uh, lessons from the Mediumship 101 class and kick it up a notch. Do you want to add anything to that? No, that you covered that beautifully. Thank okay. you. And in September, on Thursday evenings, I'm also teaching my Be Your Own Psychic class. That's going to be September 12th, 19th, and 26th. This is geared towards anyone who wants to, again, it's for the beginner, and it's for anyone who wants to learn, am I psychic? Am I intuitive? And if so, what the heck do I do about it? Um, It's same format as the mediumship classes where it's hosted on Zoom. You're partnered up with someone new each week, and you will learn how to open and close your chakras, how to connect with your guides, how to tune in to someone's name to get information, how to scan their chakras and look into their aura and try to pick up information. The nice thing about all of these classes is Denise and I record them and they are emailed to your inbox the very next day. So if you can't make one or two of the classes, it's totally fine. You can still participate in the class and get the recording. The only participation that is mandatory is connecting with your partner each week for those exercises. And you can do those exercises with your partner through email or through the phone or via Skype or Zoom or FaceTime. Uh, It's whatever you and your partner decide. So we hope that you can join us for one or all of those exciting classes. You can find information and ways to sign up for those classes on my website, samanthafay.com. Denise's is thegratefulmessenger.com. And if you like this show, please tell a friend. iTunes is doing something weird right now with their categories. And so it's really hard for people to find podcasts until iTunes goes through these growing pains. So if you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you would like us and subscribe to us and and leave us a review if you have time. That really helps people to find our show or tell a friend if someone you think would 
be helped by listening to this episode. We hope it's been helpful to all of you. And we hope you keep tuning in because we have a lot of great episodes coming up for the rest of August and September. We've got some great interview shows coming up, some wonderful topics we're going to cover. And of course, our community connections where we get to share more of the wonderful questions that you all have sent us. So everybody, have a great week. Please remember that you are worthy, perfect, and whole just as you are. As always, don't forget to show up, do great work, share your light. Take care.